Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of The Ride. This is Nicole. And this is Jillian. And today we got to sit down and talk to Elaine Bogan, who is a director over at DreamWorks, and she is coming out with her first feature film called Spirit Untamed, which, um, you know, if you grew up in the early 2000s or you were raising kids then, uh, you've probably seen the original Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. I know that it was a fan favorite of mine when I was a kid. I remember going to the movie theaters and seeing it. And um, But now they're coming out with a new movie and it is headed to theaters this week. So by the time this podcast comes out, it'll actually have been in theaters over the weekend. It's, it came out June 4th. Um, but I was so excited that they came out with a new film. And, uh, you know, now my friend's kids who they're raising are are getting to, you know, experience the same thing that I kind of did when I was a kid and I got to go to the theater and see, um, you know, spirit in, in the big screen. And so, uh, Jillian and I actually got to watch the film a little earlier. Um, and so Jillian, what did you think of the film? I loved it. I I thought that the overall storyline of showing a girl and the bond with her horse and how impactful that can be was, was very well done. And then I also thought that the underlying themes and messages that were kind of thrown in there were just so powerful and so great for kids that are going to be growing up watching this movie, because I think it's so important for them to have role models like that up on the big screen. Each girl had their own battle that they overcame and it showed how they worked together and how they, you know, had to work independently. And I just think that it's, it's really going to be a very impactful movie for kids these days just how the original was for us growing up yeah and the cast is insane I mean talk about a high profile cast you have Jake Gyllenhaal Julianne Moore um those are just a couple off the top of my head Walton Goggins which is a I I love him I think he is hilarious but um you know they just have you know such a an insane cast and uh, Elaine, who's the director who we got to speak with, is a horsewoman herself, and she grew up riding. And I think that is so, so, so important when you are creating a film around uh, horses. And when we get into the podcast a little bit, Elaine talks about how difficult it is actually to animate uh, equine characters, which I had no idea. I don't know about you. I never even thought about that, really. Just I have no idea what goes into all of that, but I'm really glad that that they paid so much attention to it because I definitely would have noticed it if it were wrong. Um, but it was so well done. Yeah. I think that's, that's the hard part about being a horse person and, and, you know, maybe seeing uh, things in film or on TV or or whatever. Um, you know, if, if you don't have a horse person on set, sometimes it is hard to kind of resonate with, uh, a true horse audience. So, I think they did such a great job, uh, you know, reaching out to that equine familiar audience, but also reaching out to the general public so that they're not getting confused with, uh, you know, terms that we might use or, you know, they kind of do a really great job of explaining things so that the general audience isn't getting lost with the terminology. So I so appreciate it. I love speaking with Elaine. She, uh, was so sweet and, um, You know, I just I was so excited for her to have this film and, and, you know, they had to overcome quite a few obstacles with the pandemic. You know, um, that was that was a whole new territory for a lot of people in that industry working from home. You know, the the voice acting or, you know, the voiceover work was done from home, which is very unfamiliar for a lot of those guys. And, you know, having to to work on a large movie set, but all remotely, I I couldn't imagine the the, you know, complications that come with something like that I know the whole time that we were talking about that with her I was just picturing Jake Gyllenhaal sitting in his closet recording this and I just that must have been so weird for all of them and having to like build their own sound studios at home and and that was definitely a new experience for all of them I'm sure yeah it's it's funny because like you know in our our career I feel like it's very it was a very easy transition obviously Jillian came in a little later in the pandemic so she didn't really go through what most of us that were based in the Boulder office went through but I felt like it was a fairly easy transition but I think that a lot of the stuff that we do is is very easy to do from you know a remote location it was just different not being around all of the you know 
office employees, our team members uh, being able to collaborate in an office. But yeah, I couldn't imagine trying to create a movie for like, you know, the big screen from your home. Uh, but yeah, like I said earlier, uh, this came out June 4th. So by the time this comes out, it's already out. Highly, highly recommend going to see it in theaters. Uh, you know, movie theaters are starting to open up again. Uh, I know I'm really excited to get back to the theaters. I love seeing movies in the movie theater. I love eating the popcorn. I love the whole experience. So I'm if that's so your kind excited. of thing, go see it. Yeah, I'm so excited to get back into the movie theater. So before we jump into that interview with Elaine, did you see that IEA is adding the ranch riding to their class lineup? I think that that's really exciting for them. Yeah, I'm not totally surprised that we're seeing this happen more and more. I think ranch riding has become such a huge event, you know, um, in Horse and Rider On Demand. Uh, that's continuously some of our top played videos. AQHA just announced the ranch trail coming and, and being in, uh, you know, an approved class for, for these horse shows. And and the, the ranch riding has continuously been the largest event at the AQHA World Shows uh, for the last couple of years. And, and Jillian, you're in the paint horse industry, and, and they actually have a couple more classes than the AQHA stuff does. You guys have the ranch rail. Um, I think you've already had ranch trail for a couple of years now. But, I mean, you guys are seeing a huge push for the ranch events in uh, the APHA stuff as well, right? Yeah, definitely. We have been adding, you know, like you said, slowly adding different ranch classes. And now they, some of the numbers are bigger and then the other all around classes at the shows. So, and at the APHA world show this year, they're having just so much, so many ranch classes with, you know, incentives and money and things like that. So it's, it's growing so fast, but I love it. So you're a little more familiar with the IEA than I am. Can you talk a little bit, you know, obviously you didn't do the the high school level, but you did the collegiate level of this kind of organization. Can you talk a little bit about what someone can expect if they're going to compete in something like that? Obviously the ranch riding is something that you didn't do while you were there, but I would imagine that it kind of transfers over the same way as the other classes. Yeah. So IHSA added the ranch riding a couple of years ago, like right after I left and I was really bummed because I would have loved to have done that. But, um, so I did the reining and the horsemanship with IHSA and it's such a different way to horse show than what I think most people think of when you think of horse showing, but basically you show up with your team and you are, it's a random draw for what horse you get. And then you, you don't have any warm up time or anything. You just go in the ring and show. And, um, it's, a huge confidence builder, but um, just it really shows the talent of the rider. And because it's not based on the horse at all, the judges aren't supposed to look at the horse's movement. They're supposed to be able to judge through if the horse is acting out or not. And they have a list of, you know, the horse's spur train, the horse is not spur trained and all of that, which the riders get as well. So a lot of it is luck of the draw, but a lot of it is also just pure, you know, riding ability. Yeah, I did the um the NCAA now NCEA stuff. So I totally relate to um you know the the showing of different horses and and it being based on how you ride and not so much the horse and uh it, it's a little different where you know each team member uh from opposing teams has to ride the same horse and they don't have as many different classes. They just had the the open event, but um, if anybody is interested in learning more about the uh, IEA and um, the, the new ranch riding classes that are going to be available, you can visit www.rideiea.org. Um, and if you're wanting to get involved in the ranch riding and you don't know where to start, visit Horse and Rider On Demand. That's uh, ondemand.horseandrider.com. And you can get a free seven day for trial. Um, and we have tons and tons of tons of ranch riding content. We're constantly coming out with more and we're actually getting ready to release a ranch versatility series with Cody Crow. And I just think that, um, you know, if you want to get involved with the ranch classes and you've never done it before, that's a really great outlet and a great resource. So be sure to check it out. Um, kind of going off of horse rider on demand. I just got back from an extensive video shoot, uh, which is why, Jillian and Michaela, our previous co-hosts, I'm sure you guys have noticed that Michaela is not on this, um, you know, interview right now. Uh, 
you know, Michaela has transitioned to a different part of the company and Jillian just joined us. And uh, while I was gone on this video shoot, Jillian and Michaela got to sit down and talk. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, please go check it out because you'll get to learn more about Jillian and, um, you know, and, and Michaela's transition. And But while I was there, I did a five-day video shoot and, oh my God, I was drained by the time I got home. I can't even imagine. And plus, didn't you, the weather was kind of all over the place and it was hot and I'm sure you were so tired. Yeah, it's North Texas in May. So it was wet and humid and, uh, you know, you didn't really know what was going to happen. But while I was there, you know, uh, we had a couple curveballs thrown at us. Poor Bud, who is our reigning and ranch riding expert and has been with us since the start got super sick. It wasn't COVID related. It was just a stomach bug, but he was out. So I had to find, and thankfully Bud helped me, even though he was in bed trying to feel better, um, found a replacement to do a video shoot on that next day so that I wasn't sitting around in Texas for a whole day, not doing anything. So thankfully Peter DeFridis, uh stepped in and was so kind to accept a phone call from me at 8 o'clock at night the night before asking if he wanted to do a video shoot in the morning. <laughs> I didn't realize that it was that short notice. That's awesome, though. Um, oh, yes. Out. <laughs> While I was on the airplane, I was getting text messages telling me that, you know, uh, tomorrow's not going to work. Um, <laughs> no. So my shoot actually ended up getting extended so that Bud and I could film at the end of that week because um, he was thankfully feeling better by then. But we did lots of good content with Bud, as we always do. Um, Peter's video series is really focused on young horses. He has lots of two, three, and four-year-old reigning horses um, for open and non-pro competition. So you'll learn a lot about the younger horses and getting one prepped for the show season. Um, and then we're also introducing the all around stuff to horse and rider on demand finally. Um, and we got to work with Robin Frid, who is somebody that I've looked up to for a very long time and is a good friend of mine. He has trained, I don't know, probably like 60 world championship riders in AQHA competition. Um, you know, on top of being a world champion trainer himself, his wife is just as amazing, but unfortunately she could not be part of the shoot. She was, she was busy that day, but, um, so we're super excited to bring the all around to horse and rider on demand, especially with Robin. Um, and then also on top of Robin's video shoot was Will and Elizabeth Nabin shoot, who I also adore their you know, such great people. They're great friends with Robin. So I think their, uh, training styles really complement each other. So you'll be able to take away a little bit of everything from both of them, but they are also our other on-demand uh, all-around experts. And, you know, Will and Elizabeth have, you know, lots of non-pro riders, which I think is so important when we're working with on-demand experts, because I think that, you know, being able to talk to a non-pro is huge because there's so many people and so many trainers that only work with horses, you know, open level horses. They don't have to work with the, the non-pro clientele as much. And I think the best way to do, you know, this online video stuff and to be able to explain what you're doing, you really have to think in the ways that you would if you were talking to a non-pro. So I think that Will and, and Liz's background is so important and they go over some of the trail basics that you're going to need if you ever want to get involved in, in showing in the trail class. Um, they cover a few other horsemanship and Western riding basics and just general horsemanship basics you need if you're going to compete or just riding. I mean, you need those general basic skills if you're going to ride. Yeah, definitely. That's such an important foundation to have. So I think that's great that we're going to have that on the on-demand now. Hopefully we will have those coming out very, very soon. I know that we're trying to plan as soon as possible because we don't have any all around content. So be on the lookout um, and let's jump into this interview. So 
Today we have the rare opportunity to sit down with director Elaine Bogan um, to talk about her latest film, Spirit Untamed, which is coming out June 4th. So by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be out for a couple days now. So hopefully you've already seen it. But if not, uh, be sure to head to your local theater and check it out. But uh, before we start talking about the film, I really want to dive into Elaine's personal horse life because Elaine, you are a fellow horsewoman and you also got to produce the, or excuse me, you got to direct this amazing film about horses and the love of a horse, actually between a girl and the love of, you know, a wild horse. So can you talk a little bit about your personal horse life and, and how you even got involved in horses to begin with? Sure. Yeah. I Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, my horse life started way back, I guess, when I was a, a little eight or nine-year-old kid, and uh, I was somehow the only one in my family who ended up with a horse obsession and begged and begged for riding lessons, and uh, I had two very wonderful, kind, and patient parents who would drive me out to the barn every week just so... I could see and hang around and ride the horses. Uh, so it started back then. And uh, I've always uh, just been fascinated by them and been really grateful for all of the the things that I feel like, you know, I learned and like every kid learns from a horse that doesn't necessarily get, you don't get that anywhere else. It's a very particular type of confidence and trust and communication that you learn with these guys and I feel like all of that stuff has has had such an influence on every part of my life including being where I am today like sitting in a director's chair being able to wrangle a 300 person team and just drive that ship towards getting a film done it's it does it, it takes a lot of confidence and a lot of uh trust in your team and uh, there's so many things that sort of translate from horse life into movie life for me. It's been a really cool ride. I have to say, I totally agree when it comes to horses preparing you for, you know, a career and and being able to manage the, not that kind of team. I've never managed 300 people on a, a movie set, but, um, you know, it, it does. It, it gives you the confidence and, and horses are a responsibility. At a young age, you have to learn to be responsible. And you have to know that that horse relies on you for basic needs and bear. And, and so you have to be reliable. And I, I truly believe, you know, that people who grew up with the horses have just a different kind of work ethic. Absolutely. For sure. And, it, you know, there's there's a whole other side of things, too. Like I was thinking about this the other day because, you know, I've been through multiple conversations lately about, you know, how have horses helped you get where you are today. And there's, you know, there's not only the work ethic and the the respect and the trust and the, you know, stepping into really un uneasy situations with confidence. There's that whole side of things, but there's also the side of things like growing up as a young woman and then entering into a field, the animation field, which, you know, at the time I came in was very male dominated. And I started thinking about, you know, how, you know, when I was a kid, probably the only time in my childhood that I was looked at by another being without filters, without bias, without another being looking at me with expectations. Oh, she's a young girl. She's going to do, she, she should be doing this, this, she shouldn't be doing this. Horses don't look at you that way. So I was at a very young age, given an opportunity to be in an environment without expectations because of my gender or my age or this or that. It, it's, I don't think, you know, we're lucky to have that at such a young age because it sets us out on a very different perspective in life, I think. I love the way that you put that and it's it's a really interesting way to look at it because you know when you're growing up and learning to ride and all of that, you're really discovering who you are as a person also. And I never really thought about how, how that is probably because you're learning and developing with another, you know, animal, but they're not judging you and they're not, you know, putting any expectations towards you so it really can help you figure out who you are and um I really that was a great way to to phrase that awesome yeah I, I mean I love that too the idea that you're in an environment with you know if you're surrounded by five horses you're surrounded by five brains trying to communicate with you but they're not judging you and that it's not often particularly young girls can walk through life with that experience and I just I've been thinking about it a lot lately I don't know it's uh, it's a very relevant feeling right now. 
Well, and I think it's also relevant because that is a really important storyline, I think, in the movie that you did. Like, you have this young girl who was, you know, the expectations were there and they were trying to put her into this box and she wanted to go out and, you know, be adventurous and and do these things. And so really it is, you know, a, a wonderful story about a young girl who gets to go out and do those things and not be stuck in that you know, you're a girl, you should be doing this, you, you know, you're not, you know, being put up against a, a male in, you know, your work field or whatever. Like it's, I just love that. It's a story about a young girl who wants to be adventurous and be herself. That's awesome. I mean, I'm so, I'm so happy that that's kind of resonating from a first look of the story and, you know, that it was a big part of our experience in making the story and the movie uh, was going through this process of, you know, getting feedback and getting notes. And we would get to certain notes and ask ourselves, well, would we be getting this same note and this same feedback if the characters in our film were young boys? And if the answer was no, then we scrapped it and we kept going and we let our characters develop the way, you know, just naturally by way of who those characters were, not because of them being male or female, you know. Absolutely. Um, so kind of going back to, to your personal life, how was this your first time kind of bringing in the, your horse life into a career setting? Like, what was that like? I know my whole life is basically horses now that my job is based with horses. And then in my free time, I'm riding horses. Um, so it can get a little hard and difficult when, you know, things are, are busy and rough and I'm spending more time at my computer looking at horses than I am riding my horse. But what was that like kind of bringing your two loves together? Yeah, I know. I think you nailed it. I, you know, the timing of this project coming around and me coming back into feature films and me just having bought a new four-year-old horse that I was like demanded so much time and care. And, you know, I mean, you guys know what that's like, uh, you know, the, the, I got the very first phone call to invite me into this project when I was sitting in my car at the LA Equestrian Center, just go heading home for the night. And I was like, okay, so the timing of that is kind of weird. It's pretty perfect. But the one thing, it's like you said, the one thing that I did have trepidation about was uh, for my entire time in this industry, in the animation industry, I've used my horse section of life as a time to escape and to meditate and just go out into the hills on a trail ride and not think about anything but being in that exact moment because the industry can be so chaotic and so demanding. And so I've always had that part of my life to to rest and recharge. And one of the first things that went through my mind coming into a project about horses that was going to be so deeply involved in research and, you know, getting in there, bringing the teams and letting them experience the horse world. Um, I was worried about losing that, uh, that escape and that recharge because, you know, making a film is like a marathon. It was, this one was short. It was only two years long. But when you think about that, it's like, it's like two years, the worlds were colliding, animation and horse world were colliding. And I was a little worried about that. But I think, you know, the more I dug in, the more and the more excitement I saw coming out of the team at getting a chance to learn about these animals and interact with them. And it was, it became more exciting. And I think also by way of trying to craft a story about a young girl and a horse who couldn't speak, um, it became a really fascinating study and a learning learning experience for me as well. I learned a lot during this movie. And uh, it, it just made me oftentimes go very inward and think about, okay, how, how exactly does that communication between horses and humans happen? And how can we represent that on screen so that other people who have never interacted with a horse would understand? So, you know, it was, it, it just was a very thoughtful inward process. And, you know, hopefully the stuff that we're showing up there on screen is not too um, inside baseball. It's stuff that's, you know, visual enough that anyone can come in and, and get the, the emotion of, spirit story yeah that was one thing that i did notice while watching is just that it has such a great you know kind of like a an outside perspective for people that don't really have any horse experience or knowledge but it's still letting them see how that you know the bond between a, a kid and a horse works and things like that so 
I think you did a great job portraying that um, in the oh, movie. Thank definitely. You. Thanks so much. I mean, we do we do use some cheats in animation. Like, give we gave Spirit some some pretty human looking eyebrows, and he's got some facial expressions you won't you won't ever see on a horse. But you know, it was always that fine line of you know walking a tightrope of what's too little, what's too much, and and that was a really cool experiment to go through. I do appreciate the thought that came into the actual understanding of the horse anatomy and their behavior and how they were, you know, move and, and all that stuff that you can tell there was a lot of love that was put into that. And I know I was doing a little reading and, and I think you mentioned earlier, um, you brought your crew to the Los Angeles equestrian center so they could physically be around the horses. Cause I imagine you probably had a crew that not many had been around as frequently as somebody like you have. And so what was that experience like? Did, did you, find that it really did help kind of create the characters the way that you wanted to by having your crew go see these horses in person. And I know that I saw that you worked with a vet to, to learn the anatomy and just like really go into the details. And, and as a horse person, I truly appreciate when somebody goes into the fine details because it sometimes does get left out when you have a non-horse person, you know, creating something. Yeah. I mean, it might, it might sound funny, but it, horses are renowned in the animation industry for being one of the hardest animals to recreate on screen uh, in a believable way. So it it did take a lot of, you know, bringing the team in and we had uh, Dr. Stuart Sumita come and do some anatomy lectures and classes and uh, lectures on the mechanics and the, you know, the body movements and facial body language, all of that stuff. We had some pretty intense seminars and uh it's um for me i you know as a horse person myself i couldn't i couldn't create a movie that i couldn't believe in if i saw those horses up there and and kept getting distracted by a leg moving the wrong way or you know um for me it was important to to service both the believability and the authenticity of how horses move and communicate with horses and with humans um so that was it was a big goal for us to just be as authentic as we could um because then people would spend less time watching and thinking about all that stuff that looked kind of weird and spend more time on the emotional story that was going on behind amen to that um so ziggy i believe i read somewhere that you actually created one of the characters in spirit around ziggy right yes uh you will probably have caught a glimpse of ziggy in spirits heard <laughs> He's a, he's a big dark bay with a white stripe down his face. And in the movie, he sort of took on the role of Ziggy's right hand. He's the lieutenant. And he, as opposite to Spirit, who grew very comfortable with Lucky because of her kindness, Ziggy stays pretty skeptical of humans all throughout up until the end when he realizes, you know, Lucky's helped them get back home. And uh, it takes him a little longer than Spirit does, but he's... he's it, it a little bit reflected some of what I go through with Ziggy all the time. <laughs> so, you know, I, going back to Spirit, uh, you know, he's such a iconic character. I mean, I remember when I was a kid and Spirit, you know, the first Spirit movie came out, uh, Stallion of the Cimarron. I was little and, you know, it was just, it's always come, like, stayed with me. And so it was really exciting to see you know, the journey continue in another movie. And, and my friend's kids are now getting to see Spirit in the big theater, which is, you know, cool to, to kind of have, know what that feeling is like to see this iconic horse, you know, on the big screen. Do you have a horse, you know, that has that love in your heart, kind of like Lucky has with Spirit in the film? Is there a, a special horse that you kind of go back to every time you talk about your horse life? I mean, my horse, Ziggy Stardust, that I ride right now is, he's my heart. I spend a lot of time, I spend, I wake up every morning at six and I get out there and we hang around, go on rides and, you know, it's, uh, it is something unique and I feel like, yeah, I mean, I saw the first movie when I was young too and I remember being so drawn in and this was, it was probably before I started riding, I imagine, maybe, or no, it was much after, way later, I guess I was in my teens when I saw that movie, um, but there's something just universally, um, uh, what's the word? Something draws people into stories that have horses in them. And I think it's it, it's because of that 
I've never been able to quite verbalize or explain to someone how it feels to form a bond with a horse because it's something so unique. So, I mean, there was no better way to do that than to bring my whole crew and just have that experience themselves and, you know, how intimidating or how emotional or how exciting it can be. Um, and uh, I feel like that's kind of why these these stories about horses end up being so uh, timeless and they just, they stay with us. Cause I remember seeing that first spirit movie and just, I never forgot it. And it actually was one of the movies that inspired me to get into animation school and go down that path because it was something that so deeply resonated and uh being part of this spirit world now like having come into this franchise has been so exciting because it's it's become a franchise that that evolves with the generation it, it hasn't you know it's obviously a quite different story and a set of characters that than the ones that were in the first film but i think that's something really special and unique about it because now it's become spirit for the new generation like even the horse in our movie is said to be the son or grandson of the original spirit so he's kind of the new spirit speaking to the new the new generation which i think is kind of nice i didn't think of it that way where you're you're bringing you know you're talking to a new generation but i i love it because i i can feel that when i watched the film is that it really did speak to the new generation and and hopefully inspire some little kids to, to you know, maybe get involved with horses or, or connect with an animal in a way if, if they have the opportunity to. Yeah. So um, you mentioned Ziggy Stardust a little bit. <laughs> First of all, that might be the best name for a horse I've ever heard. I'm a, I'm a big David Bowie fan, so that was Ziggy's fate. <laughs> I love it. I am also a David Bowie fan. So can you tell us a little bit about Ziggy? What do you do with him? What kind of horse is he? Sure. Uh, Ziggy's a 16-2 Dutch warm blood, and he came over from Holland when he was about three. I found him when he was four. Uh, so we mainly, you know, we do some really amateur low-level dressage. I, I spend a lot of time in the jump ring where he's very green, uh, but he really loves it. Uh, but, you know, because I, I've been raising him with, with the goal that I don't want him to get bored with anything. So I try and do a lot of different things. We do one or two trail rides up into the Griffith Park Hills outside the equestrian center every week. I actually, I was just out there this morning and it's funny. I was thinking about it on my way home. I'm always the only one in the group out there in a jump saddle and my, and my tall boots. Everybody else has Western saddles, but you know, Ziggy does, he doesn't do too badly keeping up with those wily quarter horses. He's a big lanky guy, but he does. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I also think it is super important for, uh, you know, a show horse to have those outside experiences. I, I come from the, the cow horse industry and my horse, he's, you know, he's won a ton of stuff in the cow horse arena, but I also take him swimming in the reservoir going, you know, I live in Colorado, so we go trail riding in the mountains, you know, so it's, he is a, a performance horse, but definitely spends a lot of his time out doing fun stuff because I think it is you don't want them to get bored and it's so good for them mentally just like us I mean absolutely we have to get out of our box and go do something fun and get our mind off of things I know I'm over here talking about I needed my horse life for escaping the animation life and I mean like what kind of person would I be if I didn't let Ziggy have a little fun too I mean, we haven't we haven't we're working up to our first show season maybe next next summer and uh it's you know it's it's a long road getting these guys ready and prepared and you know being able even the idea of him being able to walk into a big indoor arena for the first time with a bunch of weird looking jumps it's it's been so beneficial for him just being you know being put into different environments and up in the trail a different trail every week and just getting him ready mentally as far as physically is so so important I think that people often forget that, especially with show horses, you know, it's not a machine. It really is an animal. And so giving them the opportunity to, to be an animal and, and be happy, like you said, that's something that in a lot of the great show horses, I've noticed that that's something that is what a lot of the owners will do. And it really shows how important that is. Yeah. I was, it's, uh, it's funny, but one of my biggest sort of things that I think about most is when it stops being fun or when it starts getting stressful for me or Ziggy, it's time to shut it down and go try something new. You know, I, it's uh, especially because 
I have Ziggy around because of, you know, that's my meditation time. And if it's not meditative or relaxing anymore, probably not doing it right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about the film. Um, you said that it's been a two-year project. So I assume that you probably had to make this work during the pandemic. Was that you know, did you guys do a lot of the work from home? Did you guys have your actors doing voiceover work from home? What was that experience like? Because I'm sure it's nothing like you've probably ever had before. I mean, for me, I also, I'm a first time director. I've never directed a feature film before. So I don't really know what normal is yet, I guess. Um, so for me, it was just the first time through the feature pipeline. But, you know, I think the timing of the pandemic hitting was more, more, easy for us to have taken in than many other projects. Uh, and I say that because when the, when the quarantine hit, we were already halfway through our schedule. So we all had already figured out what the story is, what the blueprints are. We already had an actual plan and then the quarantine hit, but now we have to actually make it happen. So we were fortunate in the way that, you know, we had already done a lot of the groundwork. Um, so the challenge became trying to to complete a very collaborative, teamwork-driven project all separately from our homes. And so that became the challenge. And, you know, we, I think someone had mentioned the other day that we, we can, we, when the quarantine hit, we had only completed four of our 55 voice records with our actors. So what that meant was we had to figure out a way to to record the actors from home. And it ended up being a system where we would mail all of the, these microphones and recording equipment to the actors' homes. And then we would, you know, kind of get on a video call and help walk them through the setup process and watch them building all these little soundproof bunkers in their kitchens or in their closets and sitting there trying to get as good audio quality as they could. And you know, people's Wi-Fi was going out. The mic. I think I remember Walton Goggins running out of the room to his workshop and coming back with a roll of duct tape because the microphone kept falling over. And like, it was, you know, it was kind of off-roading as far as filmmaking went. Uh, but I think because everybody was just so happy to to have had something to work on, so dedicated. Uh, during quarantine when when not a lot else was going on we were all very it was a very fortunate industry that in the way that we were able to keep going and uh there was it was definitely a challenge and I'm I'm looking forward to finding out what making a movie not in quarantine feels like off-roading is such a great way of describing <laughs> it <laughs> I, I would have never thought to describe it like that but that's the perfect way to <laughs> it felt that way for sure Oh man, I didn't realize this was your first film that you have um, done. So, I mean, what was it like to be able to do a horse-related film as as your first feature film? Oh my gosh, it was everything. I mean, I remember getting that call. You know, I, I had come back to DreamWorks feature from directing in TV with the idea that I wanted to to try it out. And uh, for me, whenever I'm taking on any project, no, if it's TV, if it's you know holiday special if it's a movie the the only thing is can I deeply and personally connect to the story we're telling otherwise it's not an authentic story and the idea that this was a, not only about horses it was about this young woman growing up and going through some crazy stuff and trying to realize herself and figure out everything she's capable of in life and uh just by way of having supportive friends and family around her, she accomplishes it. And it, it's all of these elements of the story felt so personal already. And so it had all, it had that. And uh, I couldn't say no, you know? Well, and it was spirit. I mean, like the and most iconic horse in history. <laughs> if you're going to do a horse movie, it might as well be spirit. Absolutely. Yeah, what a great place to start. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's hard to, to go on from up from there, I guess. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm dying to find out what's next. <laughs> so you mentioned a little bit about some of the, the cast that worked on this uh, film with you. I mean, off the top of my head, you've mentioned, you know, uh, Walton Goggins, um, but you had Jake Gyllenhaal, Jillian Moore. I mean, those are some iconic names in Hollywood, among others that were in this film as well. 
did you guys like did you create the characters around these actors like did you, was there a plan to have certain actors play certain roles before you even developed the character yeah it's funny you know uh my co-director Enio Torreson and I had you know as soon as we had the characters fleshed out on the script pages we immediately had like wish list actors because we were looking to bring in actors and talent that very much already embodied a lot of the qualities and the personality that we wanted the characters to have on screen. Uh, so we kind of just went that, we did it that way. And you know, the, the characters were already kind of developed for us in a way because our characters in our world is heavily based on and inspired by the characters in the, in the spirit writing free TV series. So we had a lot of that groundwork and you know we had a really great idea of who we wanted these characters to be so we kind of tried to translate that okay if this character was a human in real life what actor would it be and we kind of just went that way and it worked out to be an amazing experience because of that whenever we would bring an actor in and pitch them the role and talk to them about who the character was they they would multiple actors came, were asking us did so did you write this after having read about me like is this character me and i'm just <laughs> and i think because of that the, the actors most of them immediately connected to the story and understood who their characters were and i think it helped us bring all of this amazing talent in i think you know as an example our our, our star isabella merced who plays lucky um in real life and and marseille martin and mckenna grace in real life they're already these very passionate, artistic, creative, and driven individuals. And they're strong. They're very, they're already very strong. But and for Isabella in particular, she's also a person in real life who's very connected to her family and her mom and to her culture. And these are all the things that we wanted Lucky to embody on screen. So you know why not try and bring her in and play the role. And uh, you know, hopefully that idea has created characters up on screen that feel authentic and and believable because um, you know it's it's you know the emotion will will carry and resonate to the audience much easier if the if the actor believes that character that they're playing so kind of like we said earlier you know a lot of your crew didn't have the horse experience and so you brought them out to kind of interact with the horses but did you have a hard time with any cat with the cast you know getting the the right emotion when they were speaking and things like that with the horses or did that just kind of come naturally based off of who you picked yeah I think it, it all kind of came naturally but I would say the one hiccup in it all was the change of environment in which they were all working you know a lot of these actors aren't used to recording their voices from home sitting in a closet trying to trying to get really deep and emotional in the you know the the air conditioners going off and interrupting the take or whatever else is happening at home. It was just, I think, you know, and that translates to everybody on the crew. None of us were used to working with, you know, pets that would jump up on your keyboard and end the call. Or, you know, a lot of, a lot of our cast and crew have kids that they were taking care of. It just, you know, I think we were all going through something very unique and, uh, it was the the timing, I don't know, just sitting at home in quarantine, making an adventure movie of these kids going out into the wild and having epic adventures. It was, it was, the, the, the contrast of that was an interesting situation. And now the, the timing of this adventure movie coming out when the pandemic, you know, fingers crossed is, is rolling to an end it it feels it's it's for me it's exciting because hopefully you know even the idea of a family going out to the movie theater is like going on an adventure right now and you know hopefully this movie opens up like a big exciting adventure for a lot of people it was the timing and the, the correlation of what was happening to us all on the crew in real life versus what was happening with the story was kind of interesting i would imagine that it is hard to stay inspired when you're stuck in your house all the time and especially you know I'm assuming most of these actors live in the LA area where there was a strict mm -hmm. shutdown um you know so I would imagine that it's hard to be inspired or, or you know feel that that same 
feeling of these girls going on this insane adventure and you're here stuck in your closet for three months. I know I never I never one day took it for granted that I was very fortunate because I have a horse and he needs care every single day. He has to get out. We have we have to go on rides into the hills. And but not everybody has that. And I think, you know, it's another reason we're all so, so lucky to have these guys in our life. I yeah, yeah. I remember going at the first part of quarantine and I have friends in New York and LA and and everywhere in between. I'm from Chicago originally. Um and yeah, it, it, you know, their experience was like, this was one of the hardest things they've ever gone through. And, you know, it was like their whole life changed. And I'm over here like, well, I still go and ride three horses every day. Like my life's yeah. pretty normal. I'm still outside. I'm in the sunshine. I'm riding. Like I'm around these animals. I'm able to, to have a physical outdoor outlet. But yeah, I, mm-hmm. I forgot that a lot of these people did not get to have that same outlet when they were stuck in quarantine, especially the people that were living in condos or apartments in cities like that yeah I couldn't imagine absolutely it, it, it definitely it was... go ahead I was just gonna say it definitely gave me a whole new appreciation for that outlet I've it's just called kind of always been the normal but then when I realized I was the only one doing it and you know none of my friends had anywhere to go I was like oh this is I'm pretty lucky that I have a horse that I can go ride yeah so. absolutely So let's talk a little bit about the lead character in this role, Lucky, who I absolutely adore because I was that headstrong girl when I was a kid that was stubborn and would maybe get on my horse bareback and go running through a field and break my arm. Um, You know, it happens. (laughs) Hey, that happened to me when I was 30. So it's not just a kid thing. (laughs) I love it. I love that so much. That has also happened to me, but I was a kid, but... (laughs) I think it's happened to everyone that that rides <laughs> at some point. It's just, I mean, they, my trainers always used to tell me, you're not a real rider until you've fallen off 10 times or broken at least two bones. So, and I'm well there now. <laughs> I love that. I, when I got into the cow horse, which is quite recently, I don't know how familiar you are with the event, but you know, you're chasing a cow around and you're going pretty fast and, you know, things happen. And my, my horse tripped and fell on me. And that's a very normal thing to happen. And they were like, you're not a real cow horse rider until you have one fall on you. And I was like, perfect. I'm part of the club. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You've been welcomed into the club. But um, no, I I loved Lucky. I, I was that stubborn kid when I was, you know, her age. And and doing things against my parents' wishes, of course. But can you, you know, was there any inspiration behind the character? Were you were you coming from maybe your own personal past when you were creating this, you know, developing her personality and, and you know, what she was like? Yeah, I mean, um, again, we were we were really leaning on a lot of the the characters and the the themes and the storytelling that the TV series had set up already. And what we all really loved about Lucky was her, her drive and her independence and her passion and just the, everything comes from Lucky's heart. Um, I remember when we were first sort of going in to see how we were going to sort of reimagine and dive into a more a cinematic deeper emotional storyline for all the characters. We always thought of Lucky, if if we looked at the three girls, um, Abigail was the present, Prue represented the past because she was using a lot of the the knowledge and the intelligence that her dad passed on to her. Uh, Abigail is very in the moment. She'll sing a song, doesn't care who's listening. You know, she just, she's there. She doesn't necessarily think about the consequences or the reactions or whatever might happen. And Lucky's the future. She's always goal-driven and looking straight ahead. So this was kind of how we approached everything. And that, you know, I think, you know, I think all of us have at least some of all of that in us. But what what is exciting to me is that these three girls, not just because of their, their different personalities and their different approaches and point of views, but they all come from very different cultural backgrounds and ways and um, ways to approach a problem. And what I thought was really exciting about that is that we have these three young female hero characters up there on screen. So that it's tripling our chances of every single person in, in the audience, particularly a young female audience, looking up on that screen and seeing themselves. 
and what I love about that idea is that if you know it, it, I keep hearing the saying if you can if you see it you believe it and you believe you might be able to achieve that as well and hopefully you know we reach a a, a big audience and and just help people get inspired to you know understand who they are and just the coolest part for me about Lucky's story is that she's a character that no matter who's telling her no or no matter how hard her goal might seem she she stands up and she fights for what she believes in because she knows it's right and she she climbs over the craziest obstacles to get there um you know probably stuff no rational human being would ever try in real life but uh i think that's that's a big message for her and i hope it it speaks to a lot of people well and and you know the three girls the three girl characters you know, they have different personalities, but they're all really strong in their own way. And I love a strong female. I love having that representation on the big screen because I think it's something that we haven't had for a long time. So it makes me really excited to see young girls having these iconic, you know, people to look up to and not even just in this film, but just in general, we're seeing more female, you know, superheroes and, and leads. And, and so it's, it's really exciting. I love that, you know, there's this representation of strong women, you know, going out and doing the things they want to do. I love that. You know, like at the beginning of the, you know, when we were first developing the story to figure out, you know, what story are we telling? Um, In some of the original concepts we did, we had another uh, female character in there who was going to be sort of an adversary to the the three girls. And at the end of the day, it didn't take us long to figure out, no, it's not the story we want to tell. This isn't the platform for perpetuating the idea that young girls need to compete and get there first. What we wanted to do was tell a story about three women working together and also all lifting each other up in order to get to where they needed to go. And it was because of that teamwork and their three very unique personalities and perspectives coming together. They They were sort of celebrating each other's differences in order to achieve insane things and it's not uh i don't think that's something that's reflected in a lot of stories that we see today and it it was really really exciting to have been a part of something like that the uplifting part is huge go ahead jillian sorry i i unmuted quick (laughs) that's okay um i was just gonna say that i i really the one thing that i noticed was how each girl, you know, while they were all, you know, kind of fighting towards the same goal, I guess you could say they, they all had their own different examples that they were, that I thought they were setting for an audience, you know, like Abigail, like you said, just singing a song whenever she wants, you know, that was kind of something that a girl could see as, as, you know, how to be yourself and, and not worry about what other people think about you. But then Lucky was, a whole nother lesson that you could learn. So I think it was really great having so many strong characters working towards a mutual goal, but also with their own developments and their own examples. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was a, it became, it sort of evolved that one, one of the, the sort of background storylines I ended up really loving was the one between Abigail and Prue where at the beginning when they first set out on the adventure and Abigail starts singing, Prue is like, oh my God, when is this going to end? And she ends up yanking the ukulele away from Abby partway up the, from Abigail partway up the mountain. But then when they get into some serious trouble, you know, you know, it's sort of like the symbolism of Prue realizing if we don't all get through this because of who we are, we'll never make it. So she gives the ukulele back. And that's sort of like the symbolism of Prue accepting, fully accepting who Abigail is and loving her for it. And at that very moment is when they make it across the really dangerous ridge because Prue allowed, you know, her just accept the acceptance of differences and all, you know, all that kind of stuff that we were able to work into the background of the the stories going on was, was, juicy it was it was really great stuff for me and Enyo to just dig into and represent in a, a visual way without having to say it in words or dialogue I I also appreciate it and I'm assuming this is probably done on purpose the uh the facial expressions of the horses match the girls that 
I loved it. I thought it was so cute. I love that little paint horse that Abigail had. Oh my gosh, Boomerang's my favorite. He's so funny. Um, oh, I appreciated that so much. Thank you. So yeah, we knew, you know, the horses are characters themselves and we didn't, We it was, the mission was to not allow the horses to just become props that the girls rode around on. We wanted them to have very distinct personalities themselves i remember at the beginning we were thinking about all of them okay spirit he's the he's like you know he's majestic spirit and that's who he is and then we thought about boomerang and we approached him sort of like a lovable labrador retriever who's just stoked to be along on the ride and all he needs is apples and we're fine and then we sort of thought about chico linda as a very proper cat who has opinions and she's fancy and you know we kind of referenced all of these things because of the you know the artists and the designers on the film who don't necessarily know how vast a per the personalities of horses can be they're they're like us they not i've never met one horse with the same personality and uh we really tried to reflect that in the film i didn't think about that but i would imagine that it is hard to tell somebody who doesn't have horse experience that like each horse is so different like my my current horse loves to run away from me because he knows he can and he just, you know, likes to be a, you know, you know what. Um, yeah. But that's just his personality. And the minute I catch him, he's totally fine and he's, you know, happy and go lucky, but he messes with me totally. But then you have oh, yeah. the other horses who like are desperate for human attention and are in your pocket and won't leave you alone. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's so funny though. I, I guess I never thought of that, that you would have to explain to people that, you know, these personalities do change per horse and and you have to be able to show that because that's you can tell when you you know the different personalities of a horse even just by standing next to them yeah for sure i know it's the it's fascinating it's a fascinating world and it was really cool to you know just rely on that all of the life experience that i've spent hanging around with these guys and and be able to try I I tried my to infuse as much of all that stuff as I could into that movie and you know I you know because we're we're telling a story for both horse people and for non-horse people um so we had to do a little bit of both but I really enjoyed like all the little moments I got to sneak in there like things that happened to me with my horse every single day like the scene with Lucky getting her face snorted and spat in by spirit and it blows her <laughs> hair back and and then she just laughs her, her head off that happens every morning when I get to the stall and Ziggy's like, oh, you don't have any apples? Thanks very much. And, you know, it's just all the real life stuff will hopefully, you know, allow everyone to get a little glimpse uh, of what real horse life is like. I think one of my favorite lines that that I remember, I, can't, I think it was Prue that said it when she said horses can feel what you feel. And that's that's something that I've heard you know, right before you go in the show pen saying to relax because if you're nervous, they're nervous. And so hearing that in the movie, it really stuck out to me. And, and I thought that that was a great little add in that is so true. I mean, they really, really do pick up off of what their owner or rider is feeling. And so um, I thought that was a great touch. Oh, awesome. I mean, that was a big goal for us, too, with with Lucky and Spirit's journey together. Um we tried to be really visual in the way that we reflected that part of her story. Like Lucky was the one coming in. She was the non-horse person coming into the horse person world. Uh, and her first interactions with a horse were with spirit. So, you know, the, the first ride, that doesn't go well because she's nervous as heck. She sits on them and, you know, doesn't go well. They go off into a cannon. She almost falls to her death. But, you know, and then halfway through, you start seeing Pr uh, Prue and Abigail giving her little pieces of advice. Like, he feels what you feel. Uh, if you relax, he'll relax. And it was that whole, the physical journey of Lucky and Spirit uh, correlating with her, the emotional journey that she was going on, learning to embrace and relax and understand what's herself in order, you know, in order to, you know, they, they joined up about three quarters of the way through the movie. And, you know, joining up was a term that I always heard getting thrown around in the horse world that, I, that it became important to me that I, I put stuff like that in there so that, um, you know, the non-horse audience could follow along just as well. And um, that was, it was fun. Yeah, I think there was a really nice, you know, you were able to use those horse terms that all of us equine lovers can 
understand, but it wasn't so foreign to, you know, non-horse people that they wouldn't be able to follow along, which I think is a very hard thing to do. And I know that there's a couple of other big TV shows out right right now that are, um, you know, Western themed stuff. And I have people who watch these shows and they're like, wait, but I don't understand why they're doing this. And so it is, it's really hard to connect that audience that may not be around horses and understand that a horse slides to a stop or, you know, spins and, and all these things. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that was, it was kind of genius, uh, machinations of my producer, Karen Foster, putting together the team that she did, I, you know, a big part of why they wanted to bring me into the project was because of my horse experience and a big part of why we wanted to bring Enyo in as co-director to direct the movie with me was his experience as a father and he's got a 12 year old girl who I swear is lucky herself and he you know he was able to infuse a lot of that authenticity into the story but it also became a really great balance between that exact thing like you know I was always the one in the room going, oh, no, a horse would never do that. Come on, guys. And then the other half of the room was like, Elaine, it's a cartoon. I think we can get away with a little more entertainment value here. So it was, you know, it was a nice balance on the crew creating a story that would serve both um, mindsets. And I think, you know, without that, it may not have been too successful in that area. Well, like I've said time and time again, I love this movie. It was so well done. And, you know, I think people with or without kids are all going to appreciate it. I know people from my generation who are, you know, grew up with the original spirit are going to appreciate the continued story. I know you said it's not a, it's, it's a little bit of a different story with him being the son or, or the grandson of the original spirit, but you know, it's that same spirit in heart. Now you got to meet the real spirit at the return to freedom, wild horse conservation, correct? I sure did. Yeah, me and uh, my, and Karen went up to Lompoc, California, to the Return to Freedom Wild Mustang Sanctuary. It's a you know a nonprofit organization that becomes sort of an education center and is expanding out to be home to a lot of uh, rescued mustangs. And uh, we got and that's where the original horse that inspired the spirit in the first movie lives. He's he's still that he's when they first began making the the first movie, the Stallion of the Cimarron movie, um, Spirit the Horse actually lived on the DreamWorks lot for a time so that the artists could interact and get to know and understand horses a little more. And he became the star of the show because he's majestic and powerful and he's, you know, he's the epitome of Wild Mustang. And uh, after the film was done, the studio put in a lot of research and hard work to find him a good place to go. And uh, he's been living out there on the sanctuary ever since. He's 26 years old now, and he still looks like a like he did back then. He's he's an incredible animal. And it was really cool to go up there and learn a little more about, about the place and uh, see all of these amazing animals in their environment just roaming around the hillsides. And they're doing some pretty awesome work up there. That's fantastic to hear. I, I love knowing that, you know, he has a great place to call home and, you know, he's inspired so many people. And I'm sure he got a lot of people involved in the horse industry that may have never crossed that path before. Absolutely. I'm sure of it. There's, there's so many um, really cool educational programs where, you know, the public's allowed to go and visit them and do all sorts of things on the sanctuary. And uh, I think it's, it's just, it's so nice to have uh an amazing place like that and but also an ambassador to speak to that side of the horse world um to you know bring new new kids into and so so you know so that they become interested in and want to help or learn and just uh be around other horse people even uh it's it's not something that's always readily available for a lot of kids and uh I, I can only hope that more programs will start up and uh, because because of that, the popularity of that. Well, and I, I hope that your movie inspires some young kids to get involved. Thank you so much for for doing this with us. It was so nice to talk to you and learn about your horse life. I'm always excited when I get to meet people that aren't necessarily horse 
trainers are involved in the industry in that way and kind of branch out and pick the brains of people who are horse lovers but are in different aspects of, you know, careers and, and life. And so I so appreciate getting to talk with you. Oh, that's, that's so cool. It's it's not often I get a chance to talk with, with other horse people about <laughs> the animation world. It's it's an interesting conversation. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was really fun today, Nicole and Jillian. It was nice to meet you guys. Yeah, yeah it was so fun. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I, it's so fun that, you know, even though we all have very different horse backgrounds and our I guess you could say our mission was kind of all the same and we all had the same views on, on how horses bring people together and, and, and that just, just shows how, how strong the horse community is. Horse girl strong. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, for all of our listeners who are listening to this and may have not gone to the theaters already to see this amazing film, uh, Spirit Untamed comes out on June 4th. So by the time this comes out, it will be in theaters. So have an adventure, go to the movie theater, get out of the house and, you know, enjoy the, the love of a, a girl and a horse and, and the adventures that come with it. Thank you oh so much. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to eat movie theater popcorn. Me too. <laughs> it's going to be so good. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited. For, I'm a big movie fan, so I'm so excited. Amazing. Back. Oh, thanks so much, guys. It was a pleasure. tuning into the ride podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts follow horse and rider magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com if you guys have any questions or comments please be sure to hit us up at horse and rider at equinenetwork.com we want to hear from you guys and if you like what you're listening to be sure to leave us a review on itunes